down by the river. Hey, save that for the music section. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where three dudes talk about games. I'm Austin. I'm Chris. And I'm Garrett. Let's get into the news. Justin Wong versus Daigo. Did you guys not have phones? Yeah, you guys all have phones. Tears of the Kingdom will receive no DLC so the developers can work on the next Zelda game. If you wanted a DLC, go back and play the game. There's probably something you missed in that massive game. Grand Theft Auto 6 is expected to be a whopping 750 gigabyte install size with over 400 hours of gameplay. Hopefully the game comes with a free hard drive. Embracer Group looks to now sell Gearbox, the company that brought us Borderlands. At least they didn't just shut them down this time. Microsoft introduces the Xbox credit card that can earn points for games. You can even have your gamer tag printed on the card so everyone can see your XX Leak Gamer XX name. And that's it for the news. Back to you, Chris. Thanks, Garrett. This week on Hidden Doors and High Scores, we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Also known as Dungeons and Dragons 5e, the video game. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> uh, Baldur's Gate 3, a role-playing game by Larian Studios. Obviously, the third game, third main game, because there have been some spinoffs in the Baldur's Gate series. I completely forgot to check when Baldur's Gate 2 came out, but it was a while ago. Ah, luckily I checked. It came out in the year 2000. Holy shit. Wow. Yep. 23 years since Baldur's Gate 2 came out. And uh, actually, on that note, there have been six different studios over the years that have started the project of Baldur's Gate 3 and had it fall through for couldn't get the licensing or their studio went bankrupt or they like got their funding cut and had to do a different project or whatever. Yeah. Six different studios before Larian. So Larian's number seven. Wow. Well, you sort of knew Larian wouldn't do well maybe not new but i was pretty optimistic because larian is the same studio that did um divinity original sin and original sin 2 we'll talk about that a bit later but all like, the divinity games they did a whole yeah, bunch of divinity games. yeah they've been doing divinity games since like the early 2000s also for sure um and those are you know also sort of like D style or influenced games and stuff and so like when i guess when when this got confirmed i, I was pretty like, yeah, that makes sense. I just didn't really think that much about it because I didn't know the backstory behind uh, the failure to get this game off the ground. Yeah, but I think everyone was pretty hopeful. Like, Original Sin 2 was so well-received. It was such a good RPG sure. with, like, real story and real characters and bajillions of interesting ways to approach combat and uh, interesting ways to approach different problems and, like, such a rich world that it was like, sure. well, these are the right people to make Baldur's yeah. Gate. So yeah, this game is set like, what is it, like a hundred years or so after the end of Baldur's Gate 2, something like that. Honestly, and no idea because I don't, you don't need to play Baldur's Gate 2 to understand yeah, this game. I, yeah, I don't, think yeah. That's, I don't think that's ever mentioned, like maybe a throwaway line in the very beginning of the game where they establish the timeline. I just think I remember seeing that on Wikipedia, that it's like a hundred years or so after Baldur's Gate 2. But yeah, like you said, just you don't need to have played the first ones this game 
totally stands on its own. But if you've played 5e, a lot of the characters are very recognizable. Yeah, like a lot of these are established. That's something we should talk about. We were talking about this earlier off the thing, but like I was saying I've played a ton of D&D influenced role-playing games in my life, but I've never played that much D&D. Um, I don't like I know Austin has played a ton of D&D. I just assume Garrett has as well, but I have not. I honestly came into this game as kind of a novice. And after playing the game a while, I feel like I could play 5e pretty competently. For sure. You, you definitely can. I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, I didn't feel like I was missing a lot, like from not have not being that familiar with 5e. But like Austin, I guess, did you notice anything like were there easter eggs were there things that that made more sense to you with like just being familiar with 5e i mean yeah this game was just immediately so intuitive and so easy to pick up and play if you're familiar with fifth edition dungeons and dragons um they there are some very very minor little changes um that they made like they basically made certain spells like higher or lower level or like you know made them last a different amount of time, things like that, just sort of like balance changes. And they made some changes to like how certain classes like recover their spells. But by and large, if you know how to play fifth edition D&D, this game is like a perfect replica in terms of the spells that are available. I think there's over 600 spells programmed into this game, literally the full compendium of, of spells that are available in D&D. And all the classes behave as they should, you know, thief rogues get an extra bonus action and uh, barbarians get to go into rage and take half damage and all of the things that you want from D&D are here and really accessible. I don't think there's anything I noticed that was like, I don't know, an Easter egg per se, but I did take great joy in all the little ways in which 5e lore and 5e magic is built into the world in just a really really cool way like they just nailed yeah they they talk about the weave and mistra and you know all the gods and goddesses that are present in that world and and every god kind of gets its time to shine or at least every god that i saw yeah they they, you know it's i mean it's a big pantheon but yeah they definitely Mm -hmm. picked a lot of gods and goddesses and, and gave them the opportunity um, that being said, yeah, I mean, Garrett, would you agree? Like, you don't need to know fifth edition to to be able to. Oh, enjoy I the game? I have like a brief understanding of fifth edition, and you can get in pretty well. But I I will say at the very beginning, I played in the middle difficulty. What is that? Um, yeah, balanced, not tactician. Yeah, balanced. And I was struggling at the beginning, picking the right spells. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, but like by mid game. I kind of understood. And when I started multi-classing and then when I went back and started a new character, I was just breezing through it. So I had to bump it up to tactician. I, it... I did the same thing Garrett. I was, I was like kind of struggling early just because I was unfamiliar with how things, how things worked exactly and how things were worded and stuff like that. But um, it's pretty easy to pick up. And also it's easy to pick up just like, there there was there was some crossover in like my experience playing role-playing games just because i'm like okay well if something is called this this is how i think it should work and it mm-hmm. was usually that thing it's not it's pretty intuitive was it can you change your difficulty mid-game yes oh yeah. you can change whatever but i will say if you're if you try to bump down to the easiest difficulty 
multi-classes disappeared. They don't work. Whoa. So if you're already built into multi-class and try to bump it down because you're having a struggle, you're, you're just screwing yourself more because any multi-class you've gone into doesn't work. But I think definitely then the recommendation is start on a lower difficulty than you think you need and you can bump it up whenever you want. Yeah, absolutely. And they just did a patch recently to make the easiest difficulty more easy because... I mean, for people that don't play games at all, I'm sure they're going to struggle. Yeah, this. don't like, do turn-based tactics and really just yeah. want to experience the story. Yeah. And I'll say that's just generally a thing with 5th edition that kind of shone through here, which is like at the early levels, everyone kind of sucks. And if you get one bad roll and the enemy gets one good roll, like you die. Combat mm-hmm. takes two rounds. And mm-hmm. you just, if you get hit twice, you're down. Uh, yeah. Yep. Later in the game, you get you know, you have a lot more options and you have a lot more ways to influence the battle without just uh, hitting each other over the head with sticks for five rounds. That's what you think, but when you play barbarians, all you do is hit people over the heads with sticks for five rounds. <laughs> you play rounds. a party of four barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> Not entirely barbarians, but whenever I play a new role-playing game, no matter what it is, the first class I always create is a barbarian just because I like running up to enemies and smacking them with a big stick. It does work real, real well. Yeah. This game also lends itself to being very creative about the way you tackle uh, fights. Like, one, not getting into a fight by winning in dialogue, I guess. Yeah, approaches to combat are amazing. Yeah, you can absolutely carry around a barrel of fire wine with you and then throw it into the middle of the battle and explode it. And I will tell you, tactically... Boy, cliffs are your best friend and your worst enemy in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many times you can start push. a battle and it's like, oh, there's this really strong guy here. You just shove him off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> He's dead immediately. <laughs> Pass one athletics check for 100 damage. But uh, by the same token, the enemies will do that against you. So be careful. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. The, the enemy AI in combat was much better than i was expecting it to yeah. be yeah um, i think that's smart. why i struggled so much it was not that i was like it w- i don't think it was that i was making like poor decisions in combat i think it was just that i didn't i didn't give the enemy the benefit of the doubt i didn't get i didn't think that they would think to do stuff like that sure and i mean yeah if you have a like a you know, a wizard concentrating on a spell that's like fucking up their team. It's like they will shoot the wizard to try and break his concentration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they they understand the system and they prioritize accordingly. Um, you know, are they perfect? No. Like sometimes you can lay traps and walk backwards and like bait enemies into them sort of again and again. But yeah, they're they're pretty clever. And I, I will say the the best part about the the items that you get they're not just stat increases. No. They are very specific things that you can do for different builds. And even green items have a use in the end game because they're just, they do a specific thing that makes a build work later on. Yeah, like I just have a bunch of, you know, we don't need to get into too many details, but you're absolutely right. These aren't just like longsword plus one, shield plus one kind of crap. Everything has unique abilities and a lot of them are very tailored to a class. Like you can get gloves that say whenever you use bardic inspiration on someone, they also gain three temporary hit points. And it's like, well, that is an amazing green item, like, you know, lowest tier item. 
for a bard that you can use the entire game because that's just a very valuable sort of stat boost that you can do. There's a bajillion items like that that are tailored to doing a specific build. There's items that care about when you do fire damage and there's items that care about when you're obscured by shadows and there's items that care about when you Mm -hmm. uh, attack someone with light or radiant damage and like it stuns them and you, you can just do all these amazing crazy things. And I will say because of that, I am in love with the fact that you have infinite stash space at your camp and your carry weight is pretty huge. So you can you can hold a ton of items on your warrior. They can obviously carry more, but you get a ton of potions and you get a ton of spells that you can kind of use one use, but you can carry just all of them. You don't have to like pick between oh, maybe this will work for a scenario. You can just always have them on your characters and whatever one of your characters is holding, the current character in play can use anything any of your characters Yeah, they have magic pockets uh, is what they call it. And it's amazing. (laughs) It just, it means that you don't, if you have, somebody has the key to the chest and you click on the chest with somebody else, it doesn't make you like, click through with each of your characters trying to figure Mm -hmm. out who picked up the key. It just automatically does it. Or vice versa. Like, one of your guys can carry all the healing potions. And if one of your characters needs it, you, like, go into the other character's inventory and you just click drink potion and the character that you're currently using will drink it. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I did find it, you know, uh, just encumbrance generally was a little bit annoying because I guess I'm a loot whore and I want to pick up everything from everybody. And if you pick up, you know, three things of plate mail, uh, you can't carry that. (laughs) But the trade-off is you can instantly send everything to camp. Like if you are getting to the point where it's a little too much, you just send it to camp and you can worry about selling it later because you do want to loot everything. So you have the gold because items are everything in this game. Yeah. So you want to buy everything from the merchants. Yeah. When you get to a store and they have some amazing boots that like, you know, increase your sneak attack damage, you're like, well, I need those for my rogue. Give me that. Yeah. And if (laughs) if you're being a rogue. Just, just steal it from the merchant and hope that you don't get caught. <laughs> uh, yeah, God. I did appreciate that send a camp feature because we've been playing some games recently in which your inventory just fills up way too quickly. And, that and are... it's just a waste of time yeah. doing inventory management. And right. that just alleviates that so much. Ruins the immersion, especially in a game that is so story heavy like this is. I really appreciated just like not having to worry about that. I mean, just think about back to Diablo 4. It's just you're spending so much time looking through and trying to decide. I didn't want to point point any fingers, but yeah, Diablo 4. But it's like we just played it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it is a not fun thing to do unless you want to spend your time in doing that. So you can just push it off till later. And it's like, I have a bunch of fun story stuff or battle that I want to focus on. I'm just I'll worry about that later. Yep. And you can just do that, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the story because, yeah, the story in this game, I think, is really excellent. Uh, Like we said, you don't need to know anything about the prior games. They throw you right into the middle of this and catch you with this epic battle scene to start with. And you get thrown in with a pretty crazy problem, which is 
uh, we're going to go ahead and spoil this. This is the very beginning. It's of the opening one. of the, yeah. The, yeah. Um, but the very beginning of the game is essentially you have a mind flare tadpole in your head, which is going to turn you into an evil octopus monster in a few days. And you're basically just thrown in like, okay, solve this problem. You got to get this thing out of your head and trying to find different solutions for that, trying to talk to everyone you can, the greatest healers around. And that sort of sets you off on your quest to try and just explore the world and see if you can find a solution. But man, the story just gets more and more epic from there and more and more amazing. Yeah, I I will say like the first act is just, you're just dealing with that problem and kind of exploring the world, which is very cool because it kind of sets up everything. But depending on the choices you make in the first act, certain storylines will continue, certain storylines won't. But I will say when I first finished act two, I thought that was the end of the game because it's it gets so big. The end of act two is so fucking epic. It's incredible. (laughs) It's so, so good. And then I will say that act three is probably act two and act one combined in in terms of scope story scope in terms of time and the writing in the game just keeps you on because the writing is incredible yeah this game game is really really well written like i want to go back to because you're talking about like like some storylines carry on some end whatever or like just fizzle out Mm -hmm. it's interesting that like like the choices do matter in this game like they absolutely do. Yeah. But you but you also like still kind of end up following the same storyline. I you still come to those major decision points, those major sort of set pieces of the game. Right. But who you're with and what you've done up to that point can really change the way those uh Yeah, the way you interact with those. Yeah, yeah, the way those confrontations unfold. So yeah, the choices do well, matter. And it's insane that you can kill off major characters throughout the story on a whim. And like, for example, there's a character in my playthrough that is in your main party and I accidentally killed him immediately. And I just don't know his entire story. And all of the companion storylines are incredible. They're so good. I can't believe that everyone is good. I am interested on everyone. Yep. I love (laughs) all of their stories. And like, in addition to being really interesting side plots that are advancing these characters sort of personal journeys, like just sort of separate and apart from that, the characters themselves are well-written and interesting characters, like apart from their backstory and apart from their storyline, like they have personality and they have morality and they have uh, a way that they talk and a way that they approach the world that comes through every time you have a conversation with them or every time you're interacting with someone else, they might chip in with something they need to add Mm -hmm. to the conversation because they feel compelled to do so because you're fucking it up. And I love that. The variation and just like the variation in the, like the dialogue, just like random lines that get inserted. There's no BS generic dialogue lines no i will throw out one of my random trivia facts about this game we we don't know exactly what it is but we know that the script is definitely over two million words long uh which is longer than all the game of thrones books combined jesus (laughs) insane uh yeah this this game that just the amount of detail that went into 
all the interactions and all the story paths and all of the characters. There's thousands of NPCs that you can talk to and barter with and learn things from and do side quests for. That's the amazing thing is there's so many like NPCs that aren't, they don't have a quest bubble above their head. It's you just go talk to them. And there's some that I've talked to that have started this insane quest line. And I would have just completely missed it if I didn't just talk to everyone in town. This game encourages you to just go and seek out anyone you can talk to, anyone you can fight or any, any NPC in the game, go and explore. I mean, even try spells like talk to animals. Like there's so many things that you'll miss out on if you don't do. This game wants you to explore and it is so joyous to explore in this game because it's so clear that Larian Studios love their subject matter. They love D&D. They love the Forgotten Realms. They love this whole world and and everything in it. And they just put little surprises around every corner. And anytime you go into some old abandoned barn or some cave in the side of the wall or just, you know, uh, interrupt this couple that's having an argument, you're going to find something interesting. Don't want to get into too many spoilers, but like you, if you're just exploring around in act one, you'll find a few ogres having a discussion. <laughs> and the reason they're having a discussion is that one of them has found a headband of intellect. And so these normally stupid creatures that just smash things, one of them is now like a very learned creature who's reading books and he's trying to educate the other ogres. And he's fucking hilarious and great to talk to. And you can befriend him and he'll come fight for you in battle. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but like that's just, just a tiny example of the sorts of things that you find waiting around every corner. And they're just... They're just wonderful. You just want to explore every part of this game because there's too much to miss. Well, and uh, it's crazy. There's so many instances where you'll have like an insight check. And if everyone fails it, you just don't know what was there. Or sometimes it's a trap and just your whole party dies and that sucks. But there's some things that lead to pretty major plot lines and you could just miss it, which was like, Lizella's my ride or die. I'm with her. I'm going to do anything that she wants to do. Oh, man. It led to some amazing storylines. And I will say there is a certain point in the game. uh, You have to steal a hammer from some guy Mm -hmm. without getting into spoilers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That storyline is the best storyline in the game. And the game actively tries to get you to not steal his hammer or like not even worry about the hammer. Like the hammer doesn't matter to you in most storylines, honestly, but it has, I was going to get into this in the music, but it has one of the best, the final interaction in that is the best song in the game. We're going to have fighting words about that, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. But I will say you want to save this game as much as possible because the game does not auto save very often and i've definitely had a instance where i just wasn't doing it and i was playing for the day and five hours in i died in a really stupid way and i was like oh i haven't saved in five hours cool yeah yeah i'm I'm gonna call it for the day (laughs) yeah i will i will say though that like there's because there's certain points where like i feel like there are certain points where you can tell a door just got closed 
but mm-hmm. I think that's a t- more a testament to the the replayability of this game that yeah. like you sometimes you're going to fail insight checks and not figure something out and then if you play again maybe you'll you won't fail it and you'll get a whole new storyline and like I I just rather than wanting to play through this game and like see everything and do everything all at once like I think it's much more interesting to just like make a decision and just play and then like start a start again make a new party make new characters play a different way make different decisions like that's the i think that's the fun of this game to me and and the best is that everyone's playing it right now so it's so much fun to talk to people about their playthrough and see how vastly different this game sure can get. yeah because i'm sure all of our playthroughs are nowhere near each other yeah it's it's actually incredible how much difference there is and how many different ways you can solve problems. And even in major plot points, just because you have to kill some goblin guys doesn't mean you have to fight them in their home turf or doesn't mean you have to fight them in the castle. Like, there are different ways to approach problems, and it's it's amazing to hear how creative people get. And there's a ton of creative puzzles that they they you really have to think and there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. I guess I just got to keep moving. There's like no hints, really. It's yeah. just like you get to an area and it's like, there's a problem. Solve the puzzle to get past it. I still never got into the Mage Tower. I Because I was just like, I worked on it for like 15 minutes. And then I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And I left and then I just got caught up in the story and never went back. But that's okay. I'll explore it next time. This is one of the nits to pick. You don't necessarily know when a storyline is going to end. And there's some times where you make arbitrary decisions and it completely locks you out of a quest that you were kind of working on, but you think it would have no relation. But because it deals with a certain character that I guess is going to be later in that story, it ruins the, the quest line, which is fine, which makes it, more varied in p- player experience, but it is sad when you just see that quest was locked out and it's like, oh, makes you feel like you wasted your time a yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, like if you want to save scum, you know, if you want to yeah. save a lot, and, because yeah, sometimes your decisions have unintended consequences. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's up to you whether you want to just kind of live with those and roll with the punches and see it around I feel next like, time. I feel like unintended consequences are the entire point of playing role playing games. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, I think so too, except once in a while, it's like, you know, I, I go to loot a corpse and I accidentally click the corpse next to it, which is a steal instead of a loot. Yeah, and then sure. it's like the guards that, are like, oh, you're stealing. You got to go to jail. And it's like, OK, well, that's I feel not, like that is I feel like that's different. Like, yes, that's just, I, yeah. you know, like misclicking is not, you know, like making a decision that has consequences that you didn't think about or didn't care about. Like I can also think of a handful of times where like the dialogue option that I chose shouldn't have gone the way that it went. Yeah. Yeah, Like the Uh, way it's worded is a little misleading and yeah. 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 Then it's like, okay, I don't feel bad about doing that because that wasn't what I intended. Like, yeah, it's not about the consequences. It's about like, that wasn't the thing that I tried to say. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. This is a very, very long game. 
It Drinks, should be yes. it should be noted as we already said. First of all, there's just like I already I already looked it up. So how long to beat says main story is 46 hours, completionist is 122 hours. That those numbers are both ridiculously low. You think? Yeah. I guess if you literally just did the main story and did not explore at all or didn't do a side quest, yeah, maybe okay. I know, like, I'd like to know what completionist means in that complex, because, context, because yeah. you can't actually, you can't like, do, do every storyline yeah. in one playthrough, like, because they lock each other out and stuff, so, yeah, I don't know. I I would say if you're mostly doing main stuff and just doing a little of exploring some side quests that interest you here and there, this game's going to take you 80, 80, 90 hours, I think is mm-hmm. pretty easy. And I will say, it's a lot of reading. It's just mm-hmm. a it's a lot of dialogue. But a lot of dialogue but incredibly well voice acted totally. and motion captured that I totally yep. feel the characters are real. Absolutely. It it's uh, very very well done. You you actually feel like you're having a conversation with a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said their facial expressions are actually like mocap so they're capturing the emotion and like it's yeah, so it's really well done, but just like let people know what they're getting into. This is not XCOM where the focus is the, combat, the tactical yeah. combat. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of it, but yeah. the focus is the story yeah. and yeah. and the characters and the dialogue and, and, and all those side quests. So, you know, just prepare yourself for that. Uh, but it's amazing. Wrote down in our trivia notes that there are 174 hours of cutscenes in this game. Yeah. And that's because basically every dialogue is a cutscene. Yeah. Which, yeah are all motion captured and like voice acted and are all just, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those 174 hours are sex scenes? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't say, but more than you think. (laughs) There's a lot of characters to romance. And there's uh, even uh, apart from the, the companions, there are... Uh, there's a lot of outside. There's the ways world. to romance in the world. Yeah. There's brothels, and there's just people in the world that you can, you can uh, hook up with. Some, somebody wrote... Gods, somebody wrote got everything. Somebody wrote in our Discord, why nobody told me Baldur's Gate was a big dating sim, and, like, it just <laughs> totally is a dating simulator. Like, there's so much romancing you can do in this game. No way. Carlax, my ride or die. I'm which good. Is, I need no one but Carlax. Although I will admit that when I found the brothel in Baldur's Gate and I was propositioned by the drow twins, um, I was like, Carlax, do you want to... Do Was she down? Do you want to do this? She's like, no, nah, I'm not down. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> but I Shadowheart stayed, was down. I stayed true. Yeah, that's that <laughs> definitely checks out. <laughs> uh, do we have any nits to pick? We've discussed a little bit. Does anybody have any little things? I do have nits to pick about this game. They're uh, combat wise. Okay. Uh, the story, I think, is damn near perfect. There's a lot of times where it doesn't make sense, I guess, where you would click on an attack and it tells you, oh, you can make this attack and you're just going to move this much. And then your guy just moves out of the way and it's like, oh, you needed a little bit more movement to make that attack. It's like, then why was I able to click the attack? And then now my guy cannot do anything and I've wasted a turn. And that happens more often than you'd think. And it it feels really bad. 
I, in the same kind of vein, sometimes when you have like an angle to hit somebody and there's like one pixel that you can pick to <laughs> shoot them and the, all the rest, it's like path is interrupted. And like trying to find that exact pixel is like, ah, why, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. This is just that, uh, you know, it's very finicky and I, I don't really like that. I have another problem. Honestly, I don't think this is a nitpick. I think this is a huge glaring flaw in the game. Multiplayer. So multiplayer, you can play this game with your friends. They can create a character and they can join your game, which is great. And you can go out and adventure together and do everything together. When they're not there, their character stays in your party permanently. There is no way to dismiss them. There is no way to send them to camp. There is no way to get rid of them. Oh, weird. Yep. You can kill them. Well, it doesn't matter. You will literally just have a party of three. Why would they do that? Yeah. Good question. We'll see if they patch that. I think they will. But currently, yeah. Essentially, you just need two separate campaigns. You got your multiplayer campaign and you got your single player campaign. Hmm. Don't add a multiplayer to your single player. Yeah, I would say the way around that is just having the second player be one of the main characters. Yes, they can be one of the companions and then that's fine. Right? But if they create their own character and bring it into your game, there's nothing you can do. I don't really have any nits to pick beyond what we've already said. I think the UI is great. I think the inventory management, things that I would normally pick nits about, I don't have a problem in this game. I will say inventory management, although there are some good stuff, it's not immediately obvious, for example, that you can like highlight multiple items at once. It's not immediately obvious that you can like transfer a whole bunch of items from one character to another or that they'll just like pull gold from each other's pockets when you're at the merchant like there's some stuff that's there that is good but isn't obvious sure t is everything so whatever you're looking at if you're hovering over an item if you hit t it'll basically freeze that window and then you can go and you can look if there's a maybe a highlighted term in there like a spell will say uh maims the target and it's like okay what does maims mean you click that and you hover over that and then you can click t and it'll freeze that window and then it'll explain what that does so yeah that's how you get into the nitty-gritty of stuff or you could just play a barbarian and hit enemy with big stick and avoid all of it it's true i'm uh don't need to know hours in and never knew any of that (laughs) feels good Ouch. Yeah. Uh, I think I only knew because I was playing in, on Discord and somebody told me. So, yeah, it's just, it's not obvious. Uh, do you guys want to get into the music? Let's do Let's it. Let's talk about the music. The music in Baldur's Gate 3 was composed by a guy named Borislav Slevov. He's Bulgarian. You guys would know his work from Crisis. Two and three. And also he did Divinity Original Sin 2 because here we are. Okay, that um, makes sense. I was I was gonna say, I don't think I know his work from Crisis 2 and 3. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I played those games. No, Divinity Crisis 2 and 3 were just the only titles of things that I recognized when I look at his credit when I looked at his credits. Besides uh yeah, Divinity 2. Divinity 2 obviously made by the same studio that made Baldur's Gate 3. 
The music in this game is in fucking credible. Before I ask Garrett what his favorite song is from that one quest line, there are 43 tracks on the playlist on Spotify. It's like two and a half hours long. And the thing that I like the best about this, just like soundtrack as a whole, is that unlike basically every game we've ever reviewed, these are like actual pop songs. Like they're two and a half minutes long and there's lyrics and singers and mm-hmm. like people like these are real songs that are like great to listen to that like could stand alone on a playlist of modern music. And yeah, it's not just ambient background shit. I mean, right. There is and that, even though even though there the is that and it's like what you'd expect, it's it's the high fantasy stuff with like it's orchestral, but also it's got, you know, Ren Fair instruments, pipes and pan flutes and and, you know, uh, stringed instruments that you that you'd expect it's also got electric guitars and you know like modern drum kits and there's some like some good fucking like pop rock songs on this playlist and they are all literally every single one of them is good i like i listened to the whole soundtrack and there's not a dud on it it's great well, and they keep coming back like there's the down, down, down by the river song, sure. but it keeps the orchestral version of it plays at camp all the time. So it's just kind of in your head at yeah. all times. And the original song is fantastic. Uh, down by the river, I think, is the one that's got the most plays on Spotify. Let me check. Yeah, I mean, quick. that makes sense. It's the one. Yeah, it does. It's, it's got like 500 and f- it's like, oh, like 504,000 listens. So. Half a million listens for that one. Um, but there's a couple, there's other songs. There's several other songs that are in the several hundred millions as, or hundred thousands as well. So, um, well, and, and my favorite song from it, uh, it plays as a theme leading up to the actual song. So, you know, the theme. So, and then so what's your, the what's song. your favorite song on the, on the track? Do you know what uh, it's called? Well, I don't want anyone to listen to it before they get to that battle. Cause it, it hits so much harder when okay. you get to the battle. Uh, my favorite song on the soundtrack is called I Want to Live. There are three different versions of it on the soundtrack. There's the actual version, then there's a version called Instrumental, and then there's a version called Classical, which is basically just like an acoustic sort of stripped down thing. But I Want to Live, the actual one, I don't actually know when it plays. In I've heard the instrumental version in the song but i don't know when the actual like lyrical version plays i haven't seen i haven't seen that yet but it is fucking great and also has been nominated for a hollywood music and media award oh wow Uh, the only song on the soundtrack to be nominated for anything so far and obviously we're still early this game's only been out for like a couple weeks at this point and a lot of the you know game award things haven't released nomination stuff yet game awards won't do that until October probably at the earliest. That song is incredible. Give it a listen. I am guessing that's going to be a finale kind of song. It uh, so on the official soundtrack on Spotify, it's the second to last song. Yeah. Um, so I I think so, but like, but the um the instrumental version is track eighteen, basically right in the middle. Um, and I've heard it. I'm not even twenty hours into the game, and I've heard it more than once. But I will say this game is treated like a film and all characters have their own like slight themes Mm -hmm. and there's slight songs that keep coming back and there's a camp theme and there's 
Shadowhearts theme. Like there's little they... motifs that play yeah, and like and and lead you into when a song actually plays. And it's yep. like, yeah, they just do a really good job building you into it, getting you familiar with it without you even maybe realizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The just sound overall, the sound design in this game is impeccable. Um the stuff that plays behind dialogue, the frankly, the mixing, like mm-hmm. having dialogue lines be loud enough that you can hear them over the music is a thing that lots of games fail at. And, <laughs> yep. you know, like I could point to so many examples of the music being too loud in a game. Uh, Whoa, long is the one that comes to mind that I just could <laughs> oh, not yeah. hear any dialogue at no, all because the music terrible. is so goddamn loud. Um, this whole soundtrack is amazing. Like it just it's so different from all the stuff we've done before. Like, cause we've done things about, we've done stuff with incredible soundtracks. I mean, the, the one we always bring up is God of War Ragnarok. Right. And, and that is incredible. And it's like, it's a movie score. It's big and brassy and orchestral. And there's so much happening and the budget had to be so massive for them to make that. But this is that, but in such a different way because of like the lyrical content and a, it's so good. Just the, the whole thing is so good. Yeah, they they nailed it. Uh, as with many, many aspects of this game, you can just tell they took the time and they had the attention to detail to really make it work in all the little ways. And they really took the time to make sure that the music was right for every scene. And they took the time to make sure the mixing was right. And yeah, they just, they just really, uh, they nailed it on this, as with so many other things in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we get to final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is this is the best RPG ever made. I, uh, uh, it sets a new bar. <laughs> That's hard to argue with. Yeah. It's, it yeah. absolutely sets a new bar for what an RPG can be. Um, I think it takes something like The Witcher 3 and absolutely blows it out of the water. And that's one of the best RPGs ever made. And I think I would even stand by it being better than uh, Mass Effect. And, you know, any other RPG you want to throw out there, just the amount of content and the amount of detail, not just fetch quests, not just, uh, you know, copy pasted environment. I don't think there is a fetch quest in this game. There Uh, isn't one. I don't think so either. Everything is story. Everything is narrative. Everything is characters. Everything is world building in this amazing detailed way. And everything allows you to approach it whatever way you want and, and really truly play a role uh, in a way that a lot of games have to railroad you. And this game just doesn't. And there's so much to explore. There's so much to do. And you know, other than a few UI gripes, the game is basically fucking perfect. Um, I, you know, I could see it being a little inaccessible to some people who've never um, done deep tactics and don't know anything about D&D. Some of the tutorialing is not great. Pop on our server, talk to your friends, look up guides online for like tips and tricks for beginners. And I don't know how you could have a bad time with this game. 
Oh, and save often. That's how you can have a bad time yeah. with this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> save often. The F5 key is your best friend. Um, this game is so utterly worth $60. Uh, it's worth $100. It's incredible. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I don't know what Starfield's going to look like, but this is game of the year. I got to say, I played Divinity 2. Uh, loved it and I played Midnight Suns at the end of last year and I gotta say I was kind of dreading this game because I didn't really feel like playing another team tactics game within about two hours that all went away there is so much to do in combat so much creative choice the weight of choice in this game the voice acting everything in this game is incredible the music the itemization in this game is amazing this is game of the year and and this is a definite buy at sixty dollars. Totally agree with Austin. It's worth a hundred. I, I tell you what, if a game comes out that's better than this later this year, <laughs> well, first of all, if that happens, this will be unequivocally the best year of gaming. Period. God, oh, it's yeah. just already. Yeah. Is it already? <laughs> like it's already in. The, it's in the conversation for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. This game's incredible. There's just so goddamn much in it, and. You know, like the choices matter thing, like, yeah, they do. And you can feel the weight of it. But also they kind of don't because like replayability. And that's what's fun about things like this that have so much content is that like just the knowledge that like you're not going to get everything in one playthrough. You can't. It's designed that way. Play it again. Make different choices because, yeah, they matter, but they matter in the game. They don't matter to you. You know what I mean? Or they don't have to matter to you. And like, you can just go back and make the opposite decision. And that's fun. The characters are so incredibly well written. The world is so well established. And like, yeah, I get that, that it helps that like, that's, you know, it's D&D. So it's been established and all they had to do was take a thing and port it. But like, you got to design it aesthetically and you got to, you got to execute. And they did. They just did. Every, every game should be in development for as long as this game was. You know what I mean? like, Larian's been in some stage of development on this game for six years. Six years. Take time. Make make things that people want. Like yeah. it's this is it's so obvious that this is the end result that a game that's going to be held up as one of the greatest games ever made for a really long time. Yeah. That there, like there are no. There are no comparisons to this now. Like, this is the new standard. That's what happens when you take a long time and and care about the product that you're making. Austin said we could cut this out, but I'm going to say it again so that we don't cut it out. There's no fucking micro, microtransactions in this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Just fucking make good games, dude. They finally gave us what we fucking wanted. I know. <laughs> I implicitly trust Larian now. Like, I, I will buy their next game. Anything they put out, I'll buy it. But like, yeah, like Larian can do no wrong in my eyes at this point, and they should be celebrated. Go out there, celebrate Larian, and buy this fucking game. I think that's going to do it for us here at Hidden Doors and High Scores. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, 150 hours of Baldur's Gate from now, <laughs> I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. You can find us at HDSS Gaming on all the social media platforms. Check us out on Twitch to see what we're playing and talking about. 
come and join us on Discord. We play, we hang out and play games every night. We're always happy to have more gamers on the server and to have people to tell us how to play this game in combat when we don't understand the rules, Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) All those links will be in the show notes for this episode. And lastly, if you like this podcast, tell a friend, give us a rating. Both of those really help us out and we would really appreciate it. (laughs) 